Bay Ridge, starring Richard. It's it's based on the life story of Rich Ciotti. It's a lot of really slow scenes of you using a deli slicer while an <laughs> uncle yells at you, right? Like, <laughs> <laughs> Rich, um, what are you doing? Richard. How you doing? I'm doing all right. I have a little internet connectivity issue, but you know, that's just par for the course. Just getting by. Do you know what I've been thinking about lately, Paul? What have you been thinking about lately, Rich? Really, really rich people. Oh, as opposed to most of the other time when we think about really, really rich people. You ever notice how many times we have to talk about really, really rich people in our industry? Rich people are fascinating. Their behaviors are fascinating. I don't know if they're that fascinating, actually. But but regardless, I mean, they're up to stuff again. There they go. The extremely wealthy. Yeah. Fun rich person story. This person is a uh, came into the office once. I'm not going to name who it is. It was a billionaire. Definitely a billionaire. Uh-huh. Founding billionaire. Tech billionaire. Came in and didn't speak to us, spoke to the ceiling and said absolute gibberish for 35 minutes and then asked for a follow-up <laughs> meeting. <laughs> I kid you not, Paul. That was a good one. And then he came back and he started talking gibberish This is again. not a billionaire anybody knows, by the way. Like, it's probably you, not a billionaire you know, anybody knows. Not a client, not a... Yeah. No, not a client, yeah. Comes back and starts talking gibberish again. And about seven minutes in, I said, you know, your time is incredibly valuable. Oh, it is. It's very valuable. Do you know what people start to think about when they make outlandish amounts of money? Yes. What? Solid gold hats. Dying. Actually, hold on. Let's put that in context. Starting around your mid-30s, especially if you happen to have children, you think about dying. That is a normal thing. Speak for yourself, Paul. I've got this sorted out. The difference between billionaires and everybody else is that when billionaires think about dying, they're pretty sure they should do something about it. <laughs> They're like, let's get some consultants in the room. Hold on. I solved other problems at scale. <laughs> at scale. Right? Exactly. At scale. I have created value for tremendous numbers of shareholders. Yeah. And now I'm looking at mortality. Well, for, nobody expected for financial transactions to cost pennies and be able to talk across multiple bank systems. So maybe yep. we should be looking at cellular degeneration. <laughs> I am a problem solver. All the billionaires became genius statisticians once COVID hit, right? Like they're all just like, well, let me get on this for you. You know, what's funny too is it puts you in a very, very weird world, right? Because everybody's sort of around you. Everybody's kind of trying to reinforce what you're saying. Maybe you've got a childhood friend who's, who tells you you're an idiot every once in a while, but they, that becomes a rare commodity, right? It becomes a very valuable, valuable thing. You're also honestly, I mean, let's let's take this a little bit further, right? So like you're very good at communicating what you want and how to make money, right? So the people around you are very motivated to listen to you. You may not have the awareness of epidemiology of, say, a well-educated epidemiologist. <laughs> that may not be your thing. But everybody right. around you is like, what do you need them for, man? You got to you have Excel. But one of the things billionaires do is they uh, they buy uh, I call them vanity purchases, right? One is the professional sports league team, football team, basketball, baseball. Steve Ballmer famously bought the Clippers for an outlandish amount of money at one point. Imagine the sports team like Bill Gates would buy. 
like is SeaWorld a, is it SeaWorld a sport? You know, or like the dolphins? Maybe jump? like lacrosse or something. I don't know. Yeah, I, I don't, don't know. know. I don't know what he would buy. Yeah, Bill Gates. I think tennis. I think he plays. He could buy one of the like top tennis talents. He could buy like Djokovic. Yeah, I'm sure. There's another thing they do. There's another kind of purchase they make, which is these sort of storied publication purchase. And I'm not talking about like TV Guide. The guy who made 50 million bucks in his like chain of grocery stores in Kansas bought TV Guide. I'm talking about yeah. like storied publications. Give me some examples, Paul. Jeff Bezos in the Washington Post. Yeah, he was like, I was a paper boy and now I own Amazon. I might as well uh, get myself that Washington Post. Laureen Powell Jobs, a Bought the Atlantic. She has a whole thing. She has the Emerson Collective. That's a, yeah, I mean, yeah, look, absolutely. a lot. Of, I mean, we're not sitting here in bitterness, you know, speaking. You know, I always uh, feel for them, actually, because journalists and editors are very, very difficult employees. And there's always an incredibly painful process where they realize that even though they can kind of run the world in their specific domain, these are the just the stereotypical sort yeah. of biting the hand that feed you employees. <laughs> totally. So, and also there's a self-destruct button, right? There's the Atlantic and the Washington Post and the New York Times think very, very highly of themselves. Very highly of themselves. Oh boy, do they. You know, Michael Bloomberg wants to buy the New York Times. That's always been the, the story. I don't know how true it is. I, I mean, I'm not that surprising, right? Can't get it. It's the Sulzberger family just won't sell it to him. And, I, to, you know, and there's a little element of like, well, he's new money. <laughs> so there's old money. Right, which is the Gilded Age. Then there's new money. And then there is really, really, really new money. And now shiny our money. Yeah. Good shiny money. Our our good friend Elon Musk yeah. wants to make the ultimate vanity purchase. I was hoping we weren't gonna have to discuss this. I think we gotta go there, dude. I think we have to talk oh, about boy. it. All right, all right, all right. Let's get in there. Let's talk about this. I really don't want to talk about this. <laughs> You know why? We don't have to talk about it. We could talk about it. No, we have to talk about it. There's nothing else. If you go on to Postlight Slack right now, you know what people are doing? They're talking about Elon Musk buying Twitter. So Elon Musk is Twitter's number one shit poster. Just an absolute, he's bad at it. He has a zillion followers, an unbelievable amount of money. He produces garbage content. Yeah, that's not what Elon Musk is known for, right? And look, no, he's not I'm a good not going to sit here and like judge Elon Musk's innovation and business acumen. Like, I mean, holy hell. Let's just put, let's just say it out loud. Disrupted some of the biggest industries in the world, I right? I just so. wish he'd taken like one film class. Yeah, liberal arts is not where we're yeah, sorted out. Just here. one. I just a little. Uh, but regardless, it's we're here now. We we're make, here we now. Gotta, we got to work within the boundaries of what's in front of us. And look, the board has to do this. Like that's worth saying. How can the board yes. even consider Elon it? Elon Musk shows up with forty-four billion dollars or whatever. You got to do it. It's part of your job, actually. Yeah, yeah. yeah the yeah. board has to consider. That's right. And so now, all of a sudden, this place that everyone secretly hates. Everyone secretly loves, openly loves. <laughs> I think that's the irony. It's like, I don't know. you really I see, I look want at this, this like, pile of drivel? Do you really want yeah, buckets and buckets of drivel? Now everyone's like, wait a minute. 
Twitter's important. It's like nobody knows which Twitter they have oh, in yeah. their hands, right? It goes. Everyone is just like, I can't wait to get off this hell site. Please, free <laughs> I took me a break this, this weekend. My skin yeah, is clearing is- up ever since I quit Twitter. And then Elon shows up with his checkbook, and everyone's like, "You are going to ruin the one good thing that exists on Earth." First of all, I mean. Organizations at this scale, with this much culture and so on, I don't really know what levers he has. Like the big one in my head is, are you gonna unblock Donald Trump? Because it was getting real bad before they blocked. I mean, Donald he's Trump. probably gonna unblock Donald Trump. He's probably gonna do a lot of weird things. Here's the thing. Here's why this is dangerous. Elon Musk isn't an evil villain. I'm gonna just say that out loud. He's just a particular quirky, okay. weird kind of dude who happens to be probably one of the He's boldest risk money. takers in the last 30, yeah. 40 years, right? But here's the thing. Here's what is dangerous. What is dangerous? Well, do you remember is- too? There was a point like like not long ago where everybody was like, "Yeah, that's it. He kind of bet the farm, and uh, he's really underwater now, and we're never going to hear from him again." And now he's the richest man in the world. Like that guy, just okay. More roulette. Keep spinning the wheel. I think what's dangerous isn't Elon Musk. I think what's dangerous is Elon Musk pretty much burning this to the ground and not thinking twice about it and not It's like, okay, well, that was a bad move. Like that can happen, right? He, hey, they don't always work out, you know? They don't always work. I can write it off. <laughs> it's a, that guy, it's a capital a loss or whatever. That guy is like, oof, boy, did the best we could. And it, it's also like when Jeff Bezos bought the Washington Post, it's easy to look at it at that point and be like, okay, this is an institution in decline and the people who own it want to get out. Okay, so like for better or for worse, what he came in is he bolstered it. found it. a benefactor, right? Yeah, exactly. Yes, he grew exactly. it and so on and so forth. Twitter, he, you know, Musk is talking about all this unlocked, un- untouched value, right? Like, so my instinct is more like it's just Twitter is essentially a war of attrition. Like it's World War I trench warfare as a social media company. And like, yeah, you might be able to move one or two inches in one way or the other. But everybody dies. Yeah, well, I mean, I I think what this highlights, right, are the protection mechanisms that come with maintaining your integrity as as the press, right? The Washington Post, no matter what Jeff Bezos did, he knew that the thing had a self-destruct button, meaning if you even come near the Washington Post in any untoward way, its integrity, its reputation, its goodwill that was built over whatever number hundreds of years. Yes. You're not allowed to destroy the institution. If you do, you get a billionaire, like the opposite of a gold star. You get a like a, a smudge by your yeah. billionaire name. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And so the problem with Twitter, I think the challenge for Twitter, is it has no goodwill. It has nothing. It is just this place. And so uh. there's not like, oh, you're going to ruin the <laughs> reputation. You know, I, I mean- yeah. It, it is a place, right? And, and I think what can happen is it is a place that we are just now starting to understand how to rein in these products, these technology platforms, so that they don't get away from us. And that's the hazard here, right? He's got this real big thing where he's going to unlock the value by making it a better place for free speech, which, who boy, yeah, I mean, oh boy. Well, look, this is this is what happens when technologists start thinking. This is about dying. Back to dying, Paul. We're back to dying. We definitely are. If Elon Musk buys Twitter, we're back to thinking in more philosophical terms, 
in more abstract terms about what's important in the world and values and ideas and the like. And the truth is, they started by default as free speech platforms. Like what happened over the last 20 years is little by little, you had to hire hundreds and thousands of people to kind of rein it all in because the Arab Spring was supposed to be great, but the Arab Spring ended up with a lot of bad things also, right? Like all of it had to be reined in. This is a critical thing to understand. Okay, so the people, and I was part of this cohort, and I I think you were too. You come into the internet in the 90s and 2000s, and suddenly there are many, many voices. And despite where we are now, many of those voices were not white dudes. There were lots of them, but there were all kinds of people suddenly with blogs and talking and experiences that you, you could never get these experiences anywhere else. And in particular, in contrast, I remember really clearly sitting somewhere and reading an article where it was a black woman writing about being a dancer in a wheelchair. And it was like, oh my God, I've never even considered this experience before. This never shows up in my daily newspaper. This never shows up in my magazine. And this is a person, because she was writing about like how sweaty the chair got, right? Like it was just like, oh, yeah, it was very yeah. visceral yeah. and real, yeah. and it was like the Times well, was not going to publish right? that. No, exactly, it's right. It, it was yeah. delightful. It was a delightful time because you would realize all the time how little you actually knew of the world, and how big and weird the world was, and how how dumb you were. Over and over, it would teach you how to, and it was just like these voices were showing up, and you realize that you were just this little tiny speck of a person, but you could have your voice too, and it was cool. And it was mm. exciting. And man, if we could just turn that up even more, get all the voices, get everybody talking, yeah. it is going to be the absolute revolution in culture that we know humans can bring about together. We're going to have everybody here, and we're all going to be better as a result. And let's do it. Let's do it because it's so cheap. You can just put a text box up and people fill in the text box. And yes, yes, we did it. That was where we were. That's where we were. And We could have stayed there, but what happened was technology weaponized the sort of viral capabilities of these platforms. And once that happened... Well, and also everybody showed up. That initial filter of, I will write six paragraphs about my experience, that was a filter. It was a filter that actually only let in a tiny, tiny part of 1% of humanity that felt that doing that for free in their spare time was important and emotionally rewarding. I mean, this is a quaint time you're talking about, right? But this was the time that people showed up and were like, let's build these platforms. That was the vibe. Yeah, but eventually it became about money. Money? Well, no. So actually, it's worth looking at what happened. The bloggers were like, and I was one of them, like, had a sandwich today. And then somebody was like, you know what? This is a good place to talk about politics and message boards. And suddenly everybody was talking about it. So then this like blogging revolution was actually like a political revolution. And once that happens, everybody shows up. No, but that's not bad either. I think you're missing the key ingredient, which are the amplification mechanisms that were put in place. That would never have showed up if it was just people talking about wheelchair dancing and having a good lunch or sharing recipes, right? That showed up because the politics showed up and then the rest of the media showed up and then people were like, huh, we could put ads on this. And then they went, yeah. huh, 
we could start spreading this around. And then they started to do the social networking and blah, 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 blah. But, you know, that ethos was there in the beginning. And then it just sort of slowly spread out into this amorphous mass. And then you couldn't assume good actors. You actually could assume good actors in the very early days. You're just like, well, I might not agree with that person. But, you know, they're just kind of figuring out HTML with the rest of us. Yeah. And then it became a territory that people wanted to control. It was controlled by two or three companies, and that was the end of it. Yeah. And those companies created algorithms so that they could put advertising into the experience. And the, the byproduct of that is that you could game those algorithms in pretty aggressive ways. I mean, we don't have to get – we've talked in the past about Facebook is probably the most egregious actor here in their passivity, in their – the sort of tightrope they walk around between money and damage – they cause, right? Like that's, that's well, real. Well, between money and lying, right? Like right, it's just, exactly. They just get caught like, in just, lies. Again and again, right? And, and, you know, you can always, this is what's dangerous. You can always fall into the cocoon of saying, we are not responsible for the content. We are bringing people together. We are, to use Elon Musk's words, enhancing free speech and enforcing free speech. That is a very wicked judo move, right? To be able to dodge the ethical consequence, the moral consequences of what's going on. You say, yeah, but we got to give everyone right to, everybody's got to have a right to talk. Okay, but look, look, we live, in, we live in chaos right now. So by the time people listen to this, Elon Musk might have literally gone to Mars. That could have happened. But let's assume True. he buys it, okay? And he he's like, people are being banned. People are blah, blah, blah. Free speech needs to prosper and I can unlock the value of this platform, which God help us all if more Twitter is on my. What are your predictions for what that actually means? Okay, from it's a product. It's a product that would have to change. What would change? You know what this makes me think of? Uh, and there's a Wikipedia page for it. There's something called the exceptions to free speech in Wikipedia. Okay. And these are, these are born out of case precedent and legal doctrine that just took a couple of hundred years. For example... You can't yell fire in a theater, right? If you're going to cause physical sure. harm to, you can't. Do, that is free speech. You can't do it. There's like seven or eight exceptions to free speech. No, there's, there's hate speech is prohibited, and 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 then there are also like the social contexts in which speech occurs. Like Twitter is a private or it's a public company, but it's a company. It's not a government, and so it might choose to regulate speech in its own interest as a platform. I think to see it all the way through, what you have here is that those exceptions to free speech are outdated now because this isn't about free speech because you're allowed to lie. Lying is not an exception to free speech by law. Mm -hmm. You can lie. Yeah. And then people are supposed to say, you're a liar. I don't trust you. You're not credible. And then the world is supposed to sort itself out. What is missing now is that there are wickedly powerful amplification mechanisms that can weaponize lies. So you're not just lying in the barbershop. You are actually creating mass disinformation and you are creating environments that can be disruptive. In fact, enemies of the United States have used these mechanisms. Well, that's the thing. Right? State actors, state actors are doing this, right? Dude, everybody's doing it. Not just state actors, no. right? If I need to promote my new HBO show, I'll do it. Right. But that's okay. a narrower purpose. But that's exciting that you got a new HBO show. It's very cool. It's about coming of age in the 80s, actually. It's really, really cool. Oh, as like a young guy in Bay Ridge, like riding the trains, working at Bodegas. As a young guy in Bay Ridge. It's called Bay Ridge. Yeah, it's really good. It's really, really good. 
And so I don't think you have that here with this person. Here's the thing about Elon Musk, and he reminds me of other like savant type Silicon Valley people. When they think they're right, there's no discussion to have because the intellectual Lego pieces fit so neatly together. You could be bleeding to death in front of them and you're not going to sway them. That's just what you've got here. Money is the validation of the thesis, right? Of so it's course. Just like, of course. So, you Bankers know, well, I've been said right. to make tens of millions of dollars, hundreds of millions of dollars on this deal alone. So they're going to tell them, absolutely, man, we need free speech. Let's play out a few different scenarios. So I think scenario one is he buys this thing and it actually, because it is essentially trench warfare as a product, not much happens because you turn a little dial here, but the workforce is like, yeah, I'm not moderating that. And, you know, you you say we're going to turn Donald Trump back on and half the employees quit. And, and just like, it's just kind of like at a certain point, like, yeah, you get to, there'll be like two or three moves he makes that just drives everybody bananas. And then he'll be like, okay, whoa, I don't want to lose $20 billion in value. I'm going to have to wind that back a little bit. Like ultimately he is a pretty good businessman. I don't know. I, I, I this is a side dish for him. I, he may be crazy enough to be like, you know what, how else do I become immortal? Right. And I become immortal by causing absolute chaos to happen. Right. He likes chaos. He likes, he likes chaos. chaos. He likes chaos. Most CEOs don't like chaos. The other thing, though, is that Twitter's product roadmap. I mean, somebody once made the joke. It's a guy named Andrew Smales made this joke. And it was just like, in the year 20-something, whatever, Facebook will be like, we have released total general AI. And Twitter will go, you can have a second pinned tweet. Right? Like, <laughs> like that roadmap, that roadmap has yeah. not been yeah, on yeah, fire. Yeah. No. Right? It's the yeah. same damn product. If you looked at that, that thing like 12 years ago, and you look at it today, you'd be like, huh, it's still Twitter. Whereas Facebook has literally, you know, has a moon colony they're about to announce and well, there's the metaverse yeah. too. I mean, yeah. at least Twitter didn't say like you're going to tweet in goggles. Look, I got to give Twitter credit. They have been more diligent about reining in toxic and, and manipulative practices on the platform than, than Facebook. Let's just say that out loud. I feel like a lot of those product cycles happened around that versus new features. Oh, yeah, yeah. There's right? a lot of tremendous work that got done in there. Tons of work. Like, and you have to respect that. Look, the place can be very toxic and negative, but... This yeah. is what's tricky, right? A successful moderation policy is an absolutely invisible. It's only the leakage that people notice. Exactly, exactly. So that's that's expensive and hard, and they, have to, they had to solve for that. So you got to give them credit for that. I do think he'll bring Trump back on. I think he'll let anybody who isn't you know, breaking the law back on. And and so the manipulation, I think, will kick back in. I think there is one mechanism that can uh, rein him in, and that is advertisers. And that is like a mass campaign around, frankly, the revenue stream that comes into Twitter and them not tolerating it going Well, that's like, real, right? If your customers are constantly telling you, I hate you, for advertising on this platform, you're letting, you know, why won't you do something to keep it? It is from, one like, of the most powerful mechanisms, right? And, and and the thing is, you what you have though with this guy is like, well, we can't let private industry dictate who can speak. Everyone can speak. And he made you like, I will fr-, like look, I, I'm telling you, dude, this guy's what, 50 something years old? He's yeah, gonna front the bill. Yeah, He's like, yeah. you know what? Kentucky fried chicken, you don't want to advertise on Twitter? This is more important than chicken. Even though for Kentucky Fried Chicken is very we'll run delicious. more Tesla ads, you know yeah, exactly. Like I will, f- I'll pay the bill 
for, to, to protect free speech. Like that's what I think you've got here because that's the only way. His revenue, his profit margins, it's not going to make him live forever. This is the stuff that he thinks will help him live forever. Oh, Richard, this is, this is going to be a rough one, isn't it? We're just going to have to hold on. Yeah, that's I, that's my read of how it plays out. What's our what's our worst case here? Our worst case is just an endless screed of misery as the worst actors possible, the most toxic sort of shit posting people are doing like, you know, pornographic images of people on Twitter, like pasting their heads and posting, you know, deep fakes while everyone else just essentially grieves their community. So just pain every day, absolute pain every day is very I possible. I think so. I think there's millions of people who will come back on because, you know, controversial figures that were banned or let back on kind of a thing. And you might have a successful platform. I mean, you might have a successful business. Let me put it that way. Well, there are no successful platforms, right? There's no platform where you're like, that's been really an unalloyed good for the commons, right? The Internet Archive, yeah. right? Maybe, like that, Maybe Pinterest, like swimming pool photos and Pinterest. I don't know. Is, did Pinterest go bad? Pinterest, yeah, I know. I think Pinterest is ultimately okay. You get, you you know, you get those like nice curtain swaying gifts and <laughs> Um, you get watches, you know, shoes. Flatbread. <laughs> the Internet Archive is a good platform. You know, it's... Yeah, it's, there's uh, some out there. There's some out there. I, I don't know how this ends, Paul. I, I feel like we may look ridiculous on the other side of this podcast and be completely wrong and paranoid. I mean, like, you know, Tesla makes good cars and they eventually, I mean, people... I think they make very nice cars. I'd, I'd want to own one. I just don't have enough charging stations in New York City. Yeah, New York City doesn't really work that way. But the... Uh, you know, SpaceX seems to make good rockets, I guess. Like, I mean, you know, it, it's maybe... Oh, boy, though. Oh, there's incredible stuff going oh, on here. dude, I don't know. <laughs> I actually... I think we're in for hell. I think we're just in for... A, like, just kind of oh, right he's gonna turn. Moment. He is going to turn the background into... You remember, like, when for a while, like, background tiling was possible on HTML? But also, imagine Jack Dorsey being, like, the boss, your boss, and then you get the big job, and you're like, okay, here we go, finally. Whew! That poor guy. Yeah, he thought exactly. he got it. He thought he like okay, here we go. And now Dorsey's out there. Yeah, but look, you made the point earlier. Everybody lines up to money, right? And this guy just got it the job. He's like Elon, man. This is going to be a wild and an interesting ride. Let's do it together. I think that's what you have there. If anyone can save it, Elon, it's you. Exactly. The fact that he thinks it needs saving is tells you a lot, right? Well, that's I mean, the I think thing. That's like the interesting when, bit. This is what actually so. The billionaires would like to defeat death, and in fact, they continually fund that. A lot of their startups, the quieter investments, tend to be in like death fighting, cryogenics, and, and yeah. <laughs> and I'll tell you, they also ultra high net worth individuals do like to sit down and look you in the eye and say, "Look, I, I just think I'm the only guy who really can save this thing," and it'll be like publishing without flinching. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, totally. And then you know, in the back of my head, I'm always like, "There's a lot of foster kids." Like, it's just like I'm just like. Ugh. Uh, every, they always want to save something cool, right? Yeah, Anywho. Yeah. Paul, uh, we'll see how this movie ends. We'll probably follow up with another podcast. This has been the Postlight podcast. Postlight is a hot, fast-growing digital product studio. Boy, we're good. We can we can build you just about anything. In fact, if you wanted to if you wanted to build your own platform for communicating with the world, social media or related to oh, we could do that for you. We could Amazing do that for talent. you. 
designers, engineers, product strategists, product managers. Make a new website instead of buying an old one. That's what I would say to Elon Musk, <laughs> but no one would, yeah. He doesn't reply to my emails. Yeah, I know. They keep bouncing on you. Sorry. Yeah. Reach out. Hello at postlight.com. And uh, we'd love to talk. Tell us what you need. And let's see how this movie ends, Paul. I don't know how it ends. We'll see. The thing about the movies of 2022, Rich, they don't end. They kind of not don't seem no. to end. <laughs> no, we are in the world. This is like a Netflix binge watch where you just never quite. At, at the final episode of the binge watch, like episode 10, they leave you with like, and then maybe I won't see you tomorrow. And it's like, wait, is there going to be another season? And then everybody so searches. So many cliffhangers. Dude, if you type in any show, space, season, space, the Google will autocomplete seasons that don't exist because people keep searching as to whether there's another season or whether there will be another season of anything. I mean, this, time, is, right? this is society. <laughs> it I, is although, society. I got to be honest, right? I need to know what happens in Severance. I do. Severance is good. If you don't have HBO, get HBO. Just cancel Showtime. Showtime gets HBO's leftovers. Star, Stars Plus. So, Richard, uh, hello at postlight.com. And, Reach uh, out. We still use old school email. And check yeah, out postlight.com. We may be going back to email things. soon, right? I think email might <laughs> yeah, be Back the, to email. Might, that's the social exactly. network I prefer. All right, my friend. Let's, uh, let's get back to work. Let everybody else get back to work. And we will talk to everybody soon. Have a lovely week. <laughs>